Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have bass baritone Christopher Job. Chris and I go way back. We went to Cal State Fullerton together, and he has since carved out a terrific career for himself. He's now singing at the Metropolitan Opera and all over the world. Um, we talk about how he got into that and his journey from uh, college into professional singing, and he's just an overall great guy. I hope you enjoy the interview. I also want to put out there that I'm looking for an intern. Uh, I need somebody to help me um, post to social media. I need somebody to come up with some ideas about uh, expanding the business, probably using technology that I am not very good at. There's no pay up front, but as the show brings in some money, it will be spread around. So if you know anybody or you have any ideas, give me a ring. Uh, the phone number's on the website or shoot me an email. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Happy Monday. Thanks for listening. Hey, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's been a long time. A long time. Before we started the mics, we were talking, I think it's been, gosh, oh, 10, 15 years, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said on Facebook, I feel like I get to see you all the time. Absolutely. Which is awesome. Yeah. We'll so follow each you, other around. <clears throat> exactly. <clears throat> Sorry, man. I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm still clearing my throat. Um, so we met at Cal State Fullerton. Yes. Long, long ago. Sang a lot of shows together. Yeah. I feel like you, me, and Marty were kind of the, I don't know, kind of the guys at the time, troublemakers and, you know, but the good singers and had a lot of fun. And so you, when you left Fullerton, I left Fullerton to go to Cincinnati Opera. Did you go to grad school from Fullerton? Yeah. I went to Aspen first that summer. Yeah. Which would have been at the same time as, as Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 Um, and knew that I was going to be going to Northwestern in Chicago. Oh, that's right. You'd already gotten in. Yeah. How was that experience for you? I mean, you're a you're a Southern California guy. Oh yeah, born and raised. Me too. Haven't really left except for our tours and stuff like that. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a big wake up call. Yeah. In what, way? in what uh, way? Well, I I lived at home um, during Cal State Fullerton years. Mm -hmm. um, actually, my high school was further away than. Cal State Fullerton was from my parents' house. Oh, that's funny. So um, I sort of stunted my adult growth. Dude, me too. I mean, you and me both. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so when you moved out to Chicago, were you? Tell me about that. Like, what, what, what? When you got? Because I remember when I got to. The reason I ask is because I felt the same way. I was a little bit sheltered. I mean, I traveled a lot as a kid, but I had never lived anywhere outside of California. And I moved to Cincinnati in January, and I was like in my mid twenties, and I think I called my mom. And I was like crying on the phone. I was yeah. like, "What have I done?" Yeah, what do I do? You don't have the the nest around you, even whether it's family or or just your usual friends. And the or... weather, man, it was snowing and oh, cold yeah. and gray, and I'd never even lived in that. What was that like for you moving out to Chicago or Evanston? I guess. Well, the first few months were great because it wasn't that cold yet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but just learning about a, a new city, a, a bigger city, yeah. uh, but also being in sort of a suburb because Evanston is the first suburb north on the north side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of dabbling in the big city Chicago, but yeah. but also being a little bit more suburban, sheltered kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was it living like 
did you have roommates or did you live on your own? How did you? Uh, did you... I, I got a studio because um, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And uh, was that okay for you? Yeah, that was fine. Just That's a nice. bunch of Costco uh, Polish sausages and yeah. <laughs> spaghetti and making ham sandwiches. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what I remember when I went from I went from uh, Fullerton to my first professional gig at Opera Pacific. I don't know if you felt this way. I, you know, like I said, we were kind of the cock of the walk at Fullerton at the time. And when I went to Opera Pacific for the first time, I came home and I was like devastated. I just couldn't believe. I was like, oh, I, I can't, I can't do this. I'll never be able to sing like these people do. Hearing the principal singers. Did you ever feel that way going from? High school to Fullerton or Fullerton to first of all, did you start in music as a grade schooler? When did you start studying music? Basically, my senior year in high school. In high school. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a rock and roll, heavy metal type guy. Uh -huh. I mean, I was a I was a jock primarily, uh -huh. uh, playing all sorts of sports. Yeah. And then uh, through junior high into early high school, really wanted to be like James Hetfield from Metallica. Sure. Tried to do that whole thing. Did you play any instruments, or were you yeah a guitar? Singer? Guitar. Uh -huh. um, and my brothers and I, we all play guitar, bass, and drums. They're all better at me than uh, <laughs> uh, each of those yeah, instruments. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for a while, I was pretty good at rhythm guitar, yeah. and, and that's pretty much it. That's um, nice. Yeah, but not the real talent for singing and playing at the same time kind of stuff. So, so did you apply to Cal State as a as a music major? Is that what you wanted to do? It was actually a bio major during bio that first major. year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because I got accepted numerous places in California mm -hmm. uh, for environmental sciences, mm -hmm. environmental engineering, mm -hmm. and then uh, Cal State Fullerton didn't have environmental engineering, so I just chose bio. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then what got you into music when you were in Fullerton? How did that happen? Well, I mean, I didn't know anything about how college was supposed to work. It's a commuter school. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to meet people, but I didn't know if a fraternity thing was for me. And, yeah, yeah. And that cost money, and I had $4. Yeah. You know, I yeah. just didn't really grasp the concept. And and uh, so I just knew that I liked the activity of choir. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll... I'll join up. But also, if you remember, um, my voice teacher at that time who sang a little bit with us, uh, Gustavo Guzman. Oh, yeah. 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 I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I think he's teaching at Canyon High School right near my I house. Totally I, I don't know. He's been. Yeah, but uh, I totally lost touch with him as well. Yeah. But uh, he convinced me to, because his third job that summer as a freelance singer yeah. and teacher sure. uh, was selling tickets for Opera Pacific. And so oh, that's before Cal State Fullerton, while still listed as a bio major, yeah. I was selling tickets and asking donations for At Opera the music Pacific. center. Yeah. Oh, wow. And got introduced to Henry Venanzi. And as just as an employee of as the an employee music and, center. Hey, I one of my bosses actually said, hey, yeah, he's a, an aspiring singer and he should sing for you sometime. And just Henry was like, oh, yeah, sure. So we set up an Dude, audition. Dude, those were actually. the days, right? I mean, it was just like a little family back then. Oh yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So I was supposed to be in the first show that season, or supposed to sing for the first show that season. Yeah. Which was turned up, but something was going on with the orchestra and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Henry didn't even show up to my audition. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, so you got you finally met him. I finally point? sang for him. Yeah. Because um, this was before at, you were a declared <clears throat> music major at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. I didn't know that. After all these years, yeah, huh? So then, um, actually, that August, I think I sang for the faculty at Cal State Fullerton, uh -huh. thinking that that was 
an audition for the choir. Like uh-huh. I didn't understand really what was going on. I, had a, I dude, I have a parallel situation. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I brought in a lead sheet. Yeah. Which yeah. for people who don't know is basically uh, chords. Chords. Yeah. Um, some guitar chords and some basic chords written out, and the lyrics, and then some extra lyrics down below. I mean, it's barely a piece of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you remember what it was? What you sang? Uh, non piandrai. From you Marriage had a Figaro. lead sheet for that? Oh, yeah. That's funny. It came from this giant book that had musical theater and yeah, opera and all this book. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And what did you give to the pianist? Who was it, Grant? Uh, no, it was Mark Salters. Was Mark? What did you give to him? Um, oh, no, no. I, I gave that to him. Oh, you gave that to him? Mm-hmm. How, what did he do? Um, <laughs> I said, um, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little uh, flustered today. I don't uh, mm, – like, I didn't yeah. know what the – Yeah. You know what I was doing, but so, he knew it well yeah, enough. To... He, yeah, but I said, "Can you?" I asked him. I said, "Can you transpose it down a, a half step from a lead sheet?" Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And he was like, oh, <laughs> "I don't know." <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess I can try, but you should never bring this something like this in again. Uh, right there, right yeah. there in front of everybody. Oh yeah, that was like the first lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> School was in. <laughs> yeah. So I like kind of screamed it out. And, yeah. And. Uh, they said, well, this and that. I can't remember whatever they were talking about as far as like the program. And and I said, well, what about choir? Oh, well, you'll need to sing for John Alexander as oh, well. Oh, man. So they said, oh, we'll we'll talk to John and, you know, give us a call this yeah. date and that date. So, yeah, yeah, just showed up and did the. I remember doing that, too, man. I, didn't, I, I, mean, I barely <laughs> read music at the time, notated music and. I was just terrified. The whole thing was just a blur. Like everything about it was terrifying for some reason. And I came from this junior college as a singer that I just started singing. And I, it, this happened, it's happened twice to me. I mean, I went from Santa Monica College to Fullerton and was heartbroken by how terrible I was. And I just didn't realize it until then. And then again at Albert Pacific, I was like, oh, this is happening again. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this. But you got in. Got in. Henry, I, I brought in the lead sheet again. <laughs> you did. <laughs> And uh, and he said, oh, I don't need that. Just played yeah, it from yeah, memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sang through it. He said, your Italian needs a little work, um, but it's pretty good. Um, just do me a favor. When you get in there, uh, don't try and sound like the old basses. Okay. And he never really said I was hired. It just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was your first show? Uh, Rigoletto in Rigoletto. January of that year. So you or were that in school the, year. Were, was I already in the chorus at that point? I don't remember. Maybe you beat me to it. I think I beat you to it. I was there in like 99, 2000. My first was Dutchman. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. When I had the long hair still. That's unbelievable. Okay. Yeah, so I, I sang that. And that was actually the last show or the last part of whatever season before – um, Stephen Mercurio tour started taking over the the world with the Bocelli tour. Yes, and still does that. He does, but he yeah yeah he still does it. We did two or three of those stints. Um, yeah, and he's he, I think he's now stepping back a little bit into like he's doing some stuff in Detroit with he, yeah. of course Dikiera. Yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah. wow, those were fun days, man. I liked going on those tours. Oh yeah, that was always a lot of fun. So you, uh, I mean, when I. Knew you. We worked together at Kelsey Fullerton. We worked 
at Upper Pacific, and you uh, were studying with Andrew Parks at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Cal State Fullerton? Yeah, I started out with uh, Dr. Goodrich. Yeah. And uh, I did the uh, little sample lessons while the new teachers were being interviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or auditioned. Yeah. And uh, showed up the next September, walk in for my first lesson, didn't get any warning about it. He goes, I'm so sorry to do this, but I think you're going to make a... Um, um, much, uh, much more advanced. Or you're gonna, you're gonna advance much further with this, this, uh, the new teacher. You remember him? You did really well with him. And well, I walked down the hallway and I was like, oh gosh, because <laughs> like, I, I didn't know anything yeah, was anyway. I fired? Yeah. yeah, was I just sort of let go? Or <laughs> um, and uh, walked into his office and never looked back. Yeah, right. Just you guys really clicked. Really clicked. Mm-hmm. I mean, a sports guy. Uh, opera, musical theater. A guy's guy. A guy's guy. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. you know, someone to really look up to. And also, he was just maybe a half inch taller than me. Yeah, But, yeah, yeah. like, look up to. But also someone my height and, you know, yeah. had a history with sports and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this really speaks to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you, at the, by that point, did you, had you decided, like, I'm going to really make a go of this music thing. This is This is my thing. No more of this. No more of the sciences. No more of the. Um, yeah, that sort of happened at the end of my freshman year. So that was before. Oh, was so an, you I were think really it was almost in a year before Andrew came. Uh huh. So you um, really committed yourself to doing it. Yeah, at least I told myself I didn't want to be that guy uh, at fifty-five or whatever, sitting in an opera audience saying oh, I bitterly. Oh, I could have done that, but I this and that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figured, you we're know, the, we're like that way. I'm the same way. We're we're just we're we're smart enough. We're not saying we're geniuses, but you know, we're we're smart enough and um, capable enough yeah. to quit at any time and start over and do something else and do something else. <clears throat> yeah, I did the same thing. I put all my eggs in that basket, knowing that I could. I mean, that was my grandmother's advice. To you know, she. So I always used to say because I, I wanted to be pre med and I wanted to be a like an ER surgeon that was always my dream I should say always for like two weeks but mm-hmm. um, you know and I went to my grandma and I because I was at this crossroads with music and she said now just pick one put all your eggs in one basket and if you if it doesn't work out just pick up another basket put all your eggs in that one and I thought that was great advice yeah you know I, I think especially to be in music I don't think you can kind of be half in it you just you just won't make it and yeah. on any level you won't i mean you won't even make it in a first rate chorus if you have that attitude you have to be really committed to it mm-hmm. and um so yeah i i think i think uh what did your parents think about that were they nervous for you did they support you or were your, your folks weren't in music at all no? uh no but i was raised in a house that loved music uh-huh. so at least there was that you know coming from that point of um point of view they, mm-hmm. they they were really into country music and oldies and stuff like that my mom was raised on all the old musicals and mm-hmm. stuff like that so mm-hmm. um you know at least they were a little supportive that way and being so close i think they felt that you know if this was a mistake he could always just go and get another degree or do yeah. it or do whatever yeah um yeah it was very different for them because they weren't a part of this opera world yeah same with mine and uh did they become a- opera lovers like my mom? Did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom takes an uh, an opera class right now. Oh, that's nice. Um, you know, uh, during the school year, so to speak. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Some bunch of ladies get together and talk about stuff and that's awesome. She man. gets to brag a little bit and yeah. So when you went, moved out to Chicago, you were I mean, that that's kind of a point of no, no return. Did you feel did you ever get to a point in in Chicago in other words was the transition from California to Chicago as a singer difficult for you or did you kind of fit right into it and kind of hit the ground running did you how did that go because I haven't talked to you about your grad work at all yeah it was a little it was a little <laughs> slow going at first just sort of getting used to a new group of people a new group of teachers trying to not be awestruck by Cheryl Milnes being one of the coaches at the school mm -hmm. and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but an interesting thing happened between year one and year two of mm -hmm. grad school. Um, I came back from this Italy program that my teacher there, uh, Mignon Dunn, mm -hmm. which she shared time with Bill Woodruff, mm -hmm. who is uh, recently deceased. Um, so uh, they had a program in Italy. And what I was went, it called? Do you remember? Um, IIVA, uh -huh. International Institute of Vocal Arts. And where was Italian, that? Yeah, where um, was that in Italy? In Chiari. Oh, near Bergamo, which mm -hmm. is sort of between um, Milan and Verona. Mm -hmm. I bet that was beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, just just like one summer when I came back to Cal State Fullerton, and Janet said, "Wow, that time off really did you some good." I, I think it's just age. I think and, so too. and time and yeah. just relaxing and not thinking about it too much. Yeah. Um, so I, I went away to that summer program and came back and one of my coaches, Alan Darling, who uh, coaches at the Lyric in Chicago and also works at Northwestern, mm -hmm. he said in his Scottish accent, he goes, what happened to you over the summer? <laughs> I honestly didn't think there was a voice in there. Really? But now I think there might be, which was sort of a slap in the face, but also like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can do this. Yeah, like but for I didn't real, like for realsies. Yeah, but I <laughs> but I didn't know where I stood, and it was just maybe too naive and and dumb to to stop. Yeah, and what's so, that all about? I mean, why why do some? I found that I found that to be true with a lot of my professors. I don't want to say a lot, but there were some that kind of made you feel uh, like you couldn't, like they were surprised that you could do it. Mm -hmm. Even though you'd already been accepted and had sung like five roles with the school, and there's always it never changed. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Anyway, that's just a little tangent. I had I, I had the same experience. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I, it's uh, it's a real shame. I think, uh, well, I think part of it is that uh, as far as singing goes, you have to have a certain aptitude for it. And if they only accepted the people that really had a really good chance of making something of themselves career-wise in music, they would be out of work. I mean, there's just so they have to they have to train people that I think deep down they know just don't have the chops for it, mm -hmm. and that supports these giant institutions. I mean, but also fills spots that they need it. filled. They I need mean, fill. if I can't sing the big bass role, <laughs> but they need it filled, I can do it semi-capably. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Okay, so you came back from Italy and you had your, your shit together. Uh, uh, sort of. Yeah. I mean, but I was just uh, growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And time was what I needed. And I knew that if I, if I didn't go to grad school right, right away or get out of California and get away from not, not you guys, uh, my group of friends at Cal State Fullerton, yeah, yeah, but yeah. some of the lingering uh, high school friends and that type of behavior and all of that, I felt like I needed to just go to a place that was going to 
disciplined me just by being there. Right. You know. Right. Right. So your time at Northwestern panned out really well for you. Yeah, I made a lot of good connections. Um, did you start singing with the lyric? Did you sing at the chorus? Or no, did, did I left that behind at that point. Um, I auditioned for them one time, and uh, they didn't accept me for supplemental chorus. Mm -hmm. um, toward the end of my time there, I started temping at uh, the computer science department and ended up being like the secretary to the chair of the com computer science department. But they would only pay me $11 an hour <laughs> because I was still a temp and yeah, yeah, needed yeah. to go away to do my summer programs and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, and then a friend approached me, a friend that I grew up, actually we were born a couple houses down from each other on the same street. Huh. Um, during high school, he moved away for his father's job to the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and we always kept in touch. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went to San Diego State, I went to Cal State, and mm -hmm. we just sort of, you know, kept, yeah. kept uh, reuniting. Was, and, he in, was he in music? Or uh, no, no. He, he, was, uh, he was in pharmaceuticals. He was uh -huh. doing um, uh, hard-to-find drugs um, where hospital pharmacies can't get a certain number of methotrexate or something mm -hmm. like that. They'll... Mm -hmm. they'll uh, they'll have to, have to source it around the country and mm -hmm. they don't have time to call a thousand yeah, places. Piecemeal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they take the calls in anyway, that was that business model. So you never gig <clears> as a musician in, in Chicago? No, not really. Oh, I mean, okay. just a couple of little Italian restaurant concert type things. That, yeah. Yeah. I guess know. it's a different market. Like here in LA there, maybe there are more opportunities for earning some bucks as a singer. Yeah, I you think know? so. Yeah. Or maybe I just didn't explore it long enough, uh -huh. but, um, he convinced me to move out to Colorado because he wanted to start a branch of this company that he was going to be buying, mm -hmm. which didn't end up happening. And yeah. Colorado became the company. So I started this company with my best friend from childhood. What? And uh, the agreement was that I would, that singing would come first yeah. and that I would just do everything I could for the company. And yeah, when you, when there you would could, be some ownership yeah. in there and whatnot. So, yeah, because I didn't invest any money. I was just investing time and Effort. two degrees and mm -hmm. all this stuff that nobody else in the company had. Yeah. So. And so you moved to Colorado. Moved after. to Colorado. And uh, that company is still going. But um, I, my singing got to a, a place where it was becoming frustrating for. For the partners. For the partners. <laughs> um and it was just time to go because either, either I needed to to dedicate myself to that, all eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Did you find that your singing, your singing just totally fell off once you moved out to Colorado, or did you? Absolutely maintain? not. And oh, I think it, didn't. it was actually the best thing for me. Really? Because smaller market, many different places with smaller symphonies, um, all within a couple hours driving distance, and I began to sort of take over the lower rungs of all the gigs around town. Yeah. One of the coach accompanists from the Italy program actually lived in Denver and worked at Opera Colorado. But the new people that were there, she was sort of not in the best graces with them. But I looked her up, started working with her. She had a friend who was a mezzo well-established in the area um, who started acting as like a manager, just like calling up. Uh, symphonies and saying, oh, yeah, do you need a bass for that time that I'm coming to sing mezzo? Yeah, I got this good kid. Um, give him a call. And really? so I just started getting gig after gig. And, and actually, speaking of young and naive, I rode into town 
and immediately wrote the top people, the the artistic director and general director of sure. Opera Colorado, and just yeah. said, untapped resource. <laughs> In the subject line. <laughs> yeah. And I said, hello, my name is Christopher Job. I am a recent graduate of North Northwestern University. I've done this and that. Um, if you need anybody for uh, promotional events, uh, chorus work, small roles, big roles, anything that you need, I'm here. I'm going to be working a day job and I'll be able, it'll be flexible. So give me a call. Let me know if you want to hear me. Within a week, I got a response from Jim Robinson and he said, yeah, we'll hear you. And then they hired me on the spot for small roles. Dude, I, that's, see, to me, that's not naive. I think a lot of people... I don't know. I was always brought up to like if my grandfather ever, ever had a complaint about anything with any company, he would always write the president of the company. And so I kind of grew up thinking that that's just the the way you do it. And frankly, I kind of think it is the way you do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's naivete. I mean, at the time, maybe it was for you just not knowing any better. But I think that is the tack to take just in life in general. Yeah. And I think that that was part of this podcast idea, too, is that I um you know, I like I just like to talk to people and talk to them as people. I know that uh, you know we all get diarrhea, and that's you know you put your pants on mm -hmm. one leg at a time. Mm -hmm. And presidents are no different. Gold records. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> presidents are no the presidents of companies are no different. They all we all have the same problems. Yeah. And sometimes those people really miss helping their customers, and you know, so maybe that's part of what happened. Like this guy maybe saw himself or he's like oh this is this kid that yeah this is awesome i can help yeah. this guy and i i really do believe deep down that people want to help each other mm -hmm. i believe in the good in people for sure and and the opportunity when the opportunity to help somebody arises or you present that option for somebody more often than not they'll they'll take it yeah i've never been just turned down flat I'm always, you know, sometimes you get a lame excuse, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they started hiring you like right away. Yeah. And what was your first? What was the first uh, gig that you? We opened the Ellie Calkins Opera House, which uh -huh. uh, is was the new space that they had invested millions and millions in. The, yeah. Um, with Carmen, with Denise Graves as Carmen, and I sang Zuniga, and that was it. It was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know they brought big like such big names into Colorado. They used to do it a lot more. Mm -hmm. Like James Morris and all these people used to come through in the 80s. Uh -huh. And then, um, well, because they had some couple that used to work with the Met. Mm -hmm. And then they gave up on that or just wanted to get out and mm -hmm. get, get away from the Met and mm -hmm. moved to Colorado and started the, the, you the know, scene. Opera Colorado. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they used to perform in this theater in the round, which is actually the symphony space. Mm -hmm. um, great, lavish productions mm -hmm. and stuff like that back when the budgets were a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they... Uh, is it still a place to make a career? Like if you were to move there again and start over, would you have the same experience? I think so. Yeah. I think so. There's, there's enough work still. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. And I would imagine the, I would imagine Denver and most of Colorado, you know, they have such a rich mining history and those people wanted entertainment. I mean, the people have been there since the, I think the early 19th century. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of those little mining towns have theaters, I would mm -hmm. imagine, and they've probably been built on since then. Yeah, the Ballad of Baby Doe was actually written for 
a theater up in oh, where is it? It's the it's, high, it's the highest actual airport in the United States, yeah. elevation wise. Um, I've never done the show. Yeah, but anyway, it was written for this place. We performed yeah. there when we went on tour. Um, and what else? Oh, Central City Opera. That's yeah, just sure. up in a little tiny crevasse in the sure. in the mountains as you head up out of Boulder. Yeah, with a great reputation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. They've been going for decades. Yeah. Um, and so you were working with a pharmaceutical. Did you like, did you enjoy the pharmaceutical business? Um, I enjoyed being a part of something that was really new and fun. Um, paying your bills. Paying the bills, meet new people. Um, I mean, we did it family style where we would all go over to my friend and the basically financial support for all of us mm -hmm. uh, to his house and have big family dinners and then head home mm -hmm. and get up early the next morning and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but it was also stressful. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I mean, I remember one day or several days where I tried to put on opera in the office. Yeah. You're like, turn that off. <laughs> it's weird. So, you know, it's funny how Denver, I, I was just, I told you I was just there last week and I, before I left, I read that just a few months ago, um, the, Democrats outnumbered the Republicans for the first time in their history. And I noticed it's really funny because the Republicans are so red, right? Like mm -hmm. they're just so, I, mean, I don't want to be disparaging, but they're, you know, very conservative mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that I don't really appreciate. And, but then the left is, it's like you're in Berkeley or something. There's they're like so left. Oh yeah. It's crazy, you know, with like the peg pants and the handlebar mustaches and the, you know, just hipsterville. Mm -hmm. um, did you, did you find it because I, I would imagine I, I think I know you pretty well. You're pretty liberal. And did you find it hard at the time to fit in or did you just have a good go of it or what? what? Oh, I thought I had I had a good go no, of it. No problem. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I like to call myself a fence rider where I think both sides are kind of idiotic at yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, but you definitely saw a difference back then yeah. uh, 10 years ago yeah, uh, or so in uh boulder and denver it was like the liberals were in boulder oh. that's where they were and in denver it was a mixture but mostly kind uh, of rednecking yeah uh, well no no not really because denver was starting to become really expensive and the that's the, the other town homes and the yeah. lofts and things yeah. like that but you know in the surrounding uh suburbs yeah yeah very much yeah 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 conservative yeah yeah so you we were talking before the interview. You, I, I, you now live in New York. And mm -hmm. how long have you lived in New York? Um, eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And how did you? God damn, it's been a long time since I've <laughs> yeah. seen you. Jesus Christ. So, the, so the move. How did the move from Colorado happen to New York? Well, we decided to part ways. Uh, the company and I. Uh huh. Um, and during that year, did you maintain your interest or did you sell? You just got out. Of um, he wanted to buy me out. And because it was a better move for him to buy buy me out when it was uh, the company wasn't valued as high, mm -hmm. sure. Uh, rather than let me keep the interest in the company for 15 years and have it just uh, yeah. compound, which would have been really nice and what I really wanted. But in truth, I hadn't been there that long, mm -hmm. so I can understand. And did you leave in go on good terms? You guys are still yeah, we're st yeah we're still friends. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's still rough at the at the beginning of it, but sure. 
just yeah, get over it and move on. And I knew that my my spirit wanted to be doing music anyway. And so it was like, you know what? I may be a little bit bitter about this, but I'm actually more happy Yeah, that he made that decision and I didn't have to take take the leap on my own. So Yeah, and you didn't have this leash attached to you in mm-hmm. Colorado. So yeah, makes sense. So what was the opportunity that took you to New York? How did that um, work? Well, I I went to Minnesota for a, a year to do the Young Artist Program oh, okay. and didn't know if I was going to be coming back there. They didn't really tell me if I was returning. And um, I still had all my stuff in Colorado, my brother and his now wife uh, renting out my condo. Uh-huh. And um, I basically made up my mind during that season at Minnesota that it's time to move to New York. Wow. And so I found a renter for my condo and just packed up a 18 foot Penske truck with all of my Colorado sized furniture, what? which poses a problem. In yeah. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Put my car on the, <laughs> on a flatbed on the yeah. back of that and drove out to New York without any, I mean, you'd made some arrangements. Yeah. Uh, well I was going to be in Glimmerglass, which is in upstate New York. So uh-huh. I literally just put everything into storage, in storage. and then got yeah. in my car. Yeah. And that gave you time to figure it out while you were at Glimmerglass. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? Well, what was Glimmerglass like? Well, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, that regime is gone, so I haven't been back in a while. But uh, I was well-received there. The director of the Young Artist Program was high on me, um, even had me back the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, I had been there. I had been there the summer before So it was your Minnesota. second stint? Uh-huh. So it was my, I was going back as a guest artist the very next oh, nice. year so wow yeah okay and uh so from there you've you, i mean i'm i like them i like the nitty-gritty because i i like to imagine myself trying to do the same thing and when i do it's it's a little daunting like how do you you just had this storage facility full of stuff and you just hit the ground and looked for a place to live i mean did you mm-hmm. have did you have friends there already i, or I had a friend uh that i knew through glimmerglass that we were going to try and move to new york and get a two-bedroom apartment and yeah and everywhere that he wanted to look and that i thought i wanted to look was just way too expensive and even if we could afford it it was always a shoebox bedroom and then a normal size bedroom yeah and both of us being nice guys but also sort of alpha we didn't want to yeah compete that way we didn't want to compete that way i mean eh, yeah so what ended up happening um he ended up going somewhere else i think to, to see his family in, in boston or whatever and i was living on my voice teacher's couch um and then i just fell into an apartment nice which i'm still in to this day wow yeah where is that uh up in inwood uh-huh which is uh circa 200th street uh-huh, uh-huh. just above washington heights for people who know yeah yeah in yeah. the heights yeah right so were you dating anybody at that time, or were you totally single? Uh, yeah, I was dating a girl from Denver. Who, I mean, she's actually from Fargo, but mm-hmm. I met her in Colorado. In yeah. And we decided to move there at the same time. To, so, New, York, to New York? To New York. So while I was in uh, Glimmerglass, she was living on Roosevelt Island and trying to get temp jobs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And when you moved to New York, did you start supporting yourself solely as a singer or did you have to hustle and do some other things had to hustle yeah well how'd that um what you do well actually the first audition i did while still sleeping on my voice teacher's couch who was, was their voice teacher at the time uh michael paul he still is my voice teacher oh i see um and he lives in that neighborhood uh-huh um so that was convenient um but yeah the first audition i did was for teatro comunale di bologna uh-huh 
and got in. So I knew that I had about six months before I was going to move away for at least six months, if not another year and a yeah, half. Yeah. But I'd just gotten this apartment now. And so I did manual labor uh, for an office what? where they were remodeling their upstairs offices. Yeah. They were in the basement and had been for several months. Mm-hmm. And then they needed to move half of their office back up. So this is going to be a several month process of, of, of moving, moving furniture. furniture and boxes and they had several several storage units down the road and so we would just get in the truck and move all this other stuff bring certain things back and yeah so steady work yeah but I a mean, friend from grad school uh her who is now my roommate um her brother worked for this um pr company yeah and so they just they're like hey we know this big red-headed dude that can lift stuff yeah <laughs> come on down come on down <laughs> so i did and when what was your when you were in new york what would you consider to be your next big break like what was the thing because i i i haven't asked you this but i assume that you just support yourself singing i do yeah i do i mean to keep myself busy i try and do some handyman work um did you always, painting work did you grow up doing that i mean uh no that, my father my father has all of those skills um so they're t- not foreign to you it's like just no. something men do yeah same with me yeah yeah so i just kind of figured it out and oh i didn't know how to do certain hey dad i gotta i sent, I sent you a picture yeah um what do i do with that yeah yeah oh okay hex <laughs> wrench hex wrench yeah <laughs> another trip to home depot <laughs> Yeah, dude, I live like a half mile from Home Depot. They all know me by name there. I mean, when you own a house, you just, uh, well, first of all, I, I love to do things on my own, but I tend to break things once, if not twice, before I get it right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm always at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what was your big break when you got um, Rewinding just a little bit. Mm-hmm. While I was at Minnesota, so just during that year that I was going to be moving to New York, mm-hmm. Uh, I got nominated for a Richard Tucker audition. Nice. So the, it's not a competition really, but it, you uh, you can get some sort of funding from them if you win an award. Uh huh. So I went and I sang. Didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. I did okay. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the the, the best day, That's but it, but it yeah. wasn't terrible. So I don't I don't think You're I. ashamed you know, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, went back to Minnesota. Then you know, the next few months I've told you about. Um, but within like a month or so, I got an email from Lenore Rosenberg's assistant mm-hmm. and she casts small and medium roles at the Metropolitan Opera. And she wanted to hear me. She said, the secretary said, Lenore Rosenberg heard you in the Tucker auditions and would like to hear you mm-hmm. for the Metropolitan Opera. Oh, wow. Got to do this. Yeah. Um, so I had just started up with that teacher, Michael Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that w- once I got out of Glimmerglass, it was going to be September till don't know what's, I thought it was just, just going to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave myself a few months and set up a December audition date, which is actually within the month before I was going to be leaving for yeah. Italy. Yeah. And I told Italy that I couldn't come in December when they wanted me to because I, and they said, oh, yes, you're saying yeah, for the, the Metropolitan. Metropolitan. Oh, yes, okay. we've heard of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was my first big uh-huh. break was being able to do that. And you sang well? Sang well. Uh, the next day, got an email from that assistant. 
and said that she would like to offer me a couple of covers for the following year. Well, dude, that's awesome. So yeah. have you, have you ever had any, uh, points in your career? I, I mean, I've had, I just, I've said it on the podcast before, but last summer I had a huge problem. Have you ever gotten into an audition or a performance where it just, it just does not go well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh T yeah. Tell me about that. Um, well, the only audition that I did, well, I did, I think I did it that fall, that very first fall. The only audition I did for Opera Company of Philadelphia got to the big high note and it was, <laughs> dude, oh God, that's just terrible. That's, that's I mean, that's the, do you think that what's the worst, to me, that's the worst part of this whole business is where is being, is worrying about the, is worrying about your voice. It's, it's like, it, it would be like being, uh, a world-class race car driver worried that the steering wheel is going to come off in your hands. Mm -hmm. It's just, and, and sometimes it's like, if you were, it's, it's, I, I have always equated it to that scenario where it actually does happen occasionally. Mm -hmm. So as a driver, you're, it's very rare that you're like just having fun driving. You're always worried that the damn steering wheel is going to come off in your hand. And uh, do you ever, have you, are you, do you still feel that way? I feel that way sometimes still, even after 20 years of singing where you don't, I don't even think of the character half the times, like the, I'll do what the director says, like move your left hand here and take a step that way. And, mm -hmm. But I'm really just thinking about singing well. Yeah. Um, Does that still happen to you or are you kind of past that? Um, I don't think we're ever completely past it. I, yeah, I just think that it, we man. do better. We do better at. That's it all of the other things or like the worst you can possibly do gets better over time. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and so <clears throat> you get to a point where the very worst you can do is still like better than most people. Mm -hmm. That's the trick, right? Yeah. It's making your worst better. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Renee Fleming said something to the effect of like, I think I feel uh, my absolute best two days a year. That's it. And I'm usually not singing like in public those days. That's it. And I find too, when I feel the best about my, this is another trick, man. When I feel the best about my singing, the, my audience or the audience, not my audience, but the audience doesn't always respond in the way that you think they're going to. Mm -hmm. For me, it's when I'm thinking about, oh, I've got to pick up the laundry and oh yeah, I've got my, I've got to get that flea stuff for the dog while I'm singing. And that's always when they're like, oh my God. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Or I've had too much to drink. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah. <laughs> they both help. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh, do you have? Do you ever? I don't know. Are you still surprised by the difference in how you feel versus how it comes across? Do you have the same experience or no? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can feel lots of phlegm or just maybe feel like it's coming out breathily or something like that. I don't know. Um, and nobody will get that on the other end. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even now when I hear a like a singers on stage, there's always a huge difference between what they sound like next to you versus what they sound like in the house. That's another strange phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And that happens differently with different artists. Yeah, and different houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Some people will sound really warm and beautiful yeah. right next to them yeah. or in front of them. Yeah. But by the time their voice reaches the back of the house, it might sound a little more grainy or raw. It doesn't have all of the formant going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it lost a little bit of its beauty or luster. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still getting out there. Yeah. But that's that's an interesting thing to observe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And singers. it's something that nobody teaches you in school. Mm-hmm. I there's lots that they don't teach you in school. Actually, I, I found that being in the house is the is the or being back, you know, being part of the company has been the best uh, education for me so far. That's the other thing they don't teach us. That's really kind of blue collar work. Like mm-hmm. you're you're doing some heavy lifting. Yeah. And sometimes you do it better than others. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, so do you primarily sing in New York now, or do you still travel? I still travel. Yeah. Um, this season is my longest stint at the Met. Uh-huh. I will start some somewhere around December first mm-hmm. and go through the end of the season, mm-hmm. which is roughly mid-May, mm-hmm. with several contracts. Nice. Um, usually they're a little more spaced out, and I gig in between. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this one I'm locked down. You uh, did you ever sing at LA Opera? No. No. So you went from Opera Pacific as a chorister into just basically singing principal roles from there. What's your experience at the Met? Have they been compared to the other houses you've worked at? Is it high, is it high pressure, high stress? Or oh, it's definitely high pressure. Are the, is everybody friendly? I mean, do they support you, or do you feel like, oh man, I gotta. I, I'm on my own here. Um, it, it feels a little bit of all of that. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna get some support from from some people. You're going to walk down the hall and feel alone. You're going yeah. to get some sideways glances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you can silence the noise, yeah, so to speak, and realize that everybody else is just as worried about Everything. their task mm-hmm. or their job security or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. that you know it's it becomes a little bit easier to deal with mm-hmm. and how about your colleagues do you find that the you know we get at la we get some some of the big singers not all of them but i feel like the met's always full of the best of the best have you had any great experiences any terrible experiences both um the only terrible experience you don't have to with, name names yeah, yeah exactly the only terrible experience really diva devo actually yeah. it was a guy uh was not a higher level person. That tends to be the case. He had right? higher level management, uh-huh. but you know the whole storming out of the music run on the very first day because you don't know my voice and you don't yeah. know where I've sung and yeah, it was like yeah, we don't. Whoa, <laughs> that big of a deal. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so that was that was kind of the only situation I really observed. Uh, most of the big stars, they just don't have. They don't have time for that. Yeah, they're on a they're on a different level. Yeah, they're just worried about doing their thing. Yeah, they have their own pressures, their own worries, mm-hmm. their own things that they need to deal with. Um, but Jonas Kaufman actually stole my phone accidentally. He did accidentally. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then you open the pictures, and there are all these weird pictures that he. Mm-hmm. Well, he put it in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, and then saying that whatever of Verter with it until the end of rehearsal, and I couldn't bring myself to like go and interrupt him or something. Hey, you have. You have my phone. <laughs> but actually, I said that to him after. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Kaufman. I, uh, I, think I'm, I'm, I think you took my phone from the chair over there. I think not. Uh, uh, well, just, just, just check. Sure enough, he had it. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Is he a nice guy to work with? Yeah. 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 He's a hell of a singer. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're in town here in L.A., or Orange County, what, what are you doing down here? What's happening? Um, 
uh, high school reunion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're getting older. Uh huh. And uh, my brother had tickets to a fish concert at the Forum. Dude, you're still into fish. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they took their hiatus and. Yeah, yeah, now they're back. So yeah, yeah. And then when you get home, you're leaving tomorrow. What have you got going on? You know, do you start rehearsals for anything? Um, you're on hiatus right now, right? Just like uh, we are here. Yes, yeah, sort of. Um, I, I'm I'm preparing uh, Aladoro and Cenerentola, which I'm going back to Colorado for the first time since I drove away in the Penske truck. Is that uh, at Upper Colorado? You're doing? Uh, that? No, it's at Upper Fort Collins. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I sang a couple of things there while I was living there. Nice. Um. But yeah, so I've got to work on that. I left my car in Cincinnati and flew out here. And then I'll fly back and get my car and then drive to Colorado. Oh, my God. And uh, yeah, get my car smogged. <laughs> yeah, I've got to do the same. Well, they don't call that. It's emissions testing in other states. We you know, Smog check? They still call it that here? Oh, that's funny. I don't know. And what about management? Did you... Do you, do you have management or do you do it all on your own? I have management. You do? When did um, that happen? How, I had a terrible experience with management. I think that happened right after I got back, the August after I got back from Italy. And it's been a good experience for you? Sort of. Yeah. I mean, in in the economy that we're in, yeah. or we were in, especially at two, you know, 2008, 2009, yeah. you sort of expect more to be done for you, yeah, but yeah. nothing more really can be done because yeah. companies are planning things that are only a few months out yeah whereas they used to plan that a year or bigger companies two three years ahead of time um so it wasn't all it was cracked up to be did did a bunch of auditions but eventually got some more work out of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you're still with the same company yeah and then over the last couple years it's just been exploding as far as yeah 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 consistency of, of gigs yeah 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 and that's once again maybe not what i'm doing yeah but age and wisdom and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of age, what about your love life? What's going on? Oh. Yeah, what's the latest? Um, my girlfriend lives in Cincinnati. She goes to Cincinnati Conservatory. I see. And Because uh, she... I see on Facebook, you guys have been together for a long time, yeah? Yeah, almost four years. <clears throat> yeah. And um, she just finished up uh, Opera Theater St. Louis nice. as a young artist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's entering her last year of grad school. And then... We'll see after that. Yeah. And did you guys, how do you make it work? How do you do the long distance thing? It's hard. It's yeah. hard. But, I mean, making uh, the effort to drive out. Because um, when she was going to Oberlin, that was a closer drive to New York. It was mm-hmm. only about seven hours mm-hmm. only. I know. God. And uh, I would just do it. I would get done with my 21-day regional gig, fly back to New York, jump in my car. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you see a future. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, she's fantastic. I love it. It's great to see you, brother. Great to see you, too. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Christopher Job. Really nice guy. Good friend of mine. It was great uh, to see him. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And uh, happy Monday. Hope you all have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.